Theology Thursday. Let's do this. Here with Andre, and um, I was going to—I was going to give my modified, reformed covenant theology thing. Boom, go. Okay, so say classic Westminster covenant theology, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You take out the external-internal distinction, and you only have an internal mm-hmm. covenant of grace. Mm-hmm. Okay thereby eliminating the whole weird Peter Baptist thing. So which part of the, do you want to take, you, do you want to leave the internal? Yeah. Okay, so you don't want an external dimension. So you want to do the opposite of Klein. No. <clears throat> what, he took out the internal? Yeah, so he took out the internal completely. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> but he put it in the covenant of redemption. So he said, like, all the internal stuff has been covenant of redemption. And all the external stuff is covenant of grace. So that's good. basically all. He just wants he wants those kids in there. That's what he wants. <laughs> that's what, yeah, okay, that's not now. I was going... <laughs> you go in the opposite. Okay, okay, yeah. I was going the other way. All right, yeah, totally. I like it. Go. Um, so you... you, you so you go with that. So you don't have this business of the covenant of grace basically is only with true Israel all the time. Okay. So yeah. uh, you, you don't, you don't have a, <clears throat> a external covenant of grace at all. Mm-hmm. The external covenant is, uh, well, there isn't. No, yeah. So just, just taking that out of the equation, the yes, covenant yes. of grace is, is dealing with the saved people, the, the elect. Yeah. And, um, uh, but obviously as a systematic category, as a general overarching category, mm-hmm. and obviously in the exegetical covenants, mm-hmm. there is to some extent, like, you know, with Moses, there is an external, mm-hmm. um, and with Abraham, there is an external, there, there kind of has to be, mm-hmm. um, at, at that level, mm-hmm. there's just that you're acknowledging that what's distinct from the old and the new is that, uh, there is this kind of, um, uh, doing away with the physical lineage. Mm. And, and so you only have the kind of spiritual, spiritual heritage of faith, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was thinking that you, you, you keep the same sort of structure, but then you also make another revision, mm-hmm. um, which is that instead of saying that the Mosaic covenant is a covenant of of grace is part of the covenant of grace. You say the Mosaic covenant is um, a part of the covenant of works, right? Yeah. So that it runs alongside mm-hmm. um, and even around mm-hmm. the covenant of grace, but mm-hmm. it isn't itself a covenant of grace. It's a, it's a works covenant. Got it. So you have two covenants in the Bible, covenant of grace, covenant of works. The covenant of works goes um, Adam in the garden and uh <clears throat> and then kind of dotted line to Moses, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then that runs, again, kind of dotted line all the way to the cross mm-hmm. where it is ended and fulfilled, mm-hmm. right? Then you've got the covenant of grace, mm-hmm. um, which begins uh, Genesis 3, 
mm-hmm. runs into Ab- you know to Ab- to Noah to Abraham um, and all the way you know David well, and and into Christ and into the new covenant. Mm-hmm. So you've got that two streams running side by side, mm-hmm. but one of them comes to a grinding halt at the cross and mm-hmm. the other one continues mm-hmm. seamlessly. Mm-hmm. And the kind of yeah, so in, in that sense, so you're not messing around with the Mosaic Covenant being a covenant of grace at all. Mm. Right, now, being a part let, of the let covenant me ask you a question. Yeah. Um, when you say the covenant of grace begins at uh, Adam and Eve with the gospel mm-hmm. premise uh, and, and extends all the way through, uh, what do you mean that, 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 that as they believe they are united to Christ? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, and they, they believe as a result of the gospel revealed to them? Yeah. All right. So you're 1689 federalism to the T. That's no. that, That's everything that they are saying. That, that's what you said. No, because they <clears throat> they are, no. So the difference is that they are creating this category, old covenant, new covenant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. To be fair, they're not creating that category. The Bible is, <laughs> yeah. but you, you've got you've got uh, old covenant, new covenant. But what they class as the old covenant mm-hmm. is like everything in the Old Testament. Uh, so, so I'm not. Uh, that's the part I'm not down with. Like you, you, you see you now, can't lump Abraham and Moses together in one covenant. They're two different kinds of covenants. Right. You can't right. you can't have them together. So that's right. so that's you're, you're a, a different kind of six Yeah, I get it. But what I'm saying is like. Like, if you unhinge that issue, think about it. It's not essential to the system. And this is kind of the, the eureka moment for me in that, like, if you, let's say, for example, as a full, fully blown 1689 Federalist guy, you mm-hmm. kind of get won over on the fact that actually, because, you know, they believe that the Noahic co- co- covenant of common grace is uh, a gracious covenant unilaterally given, you know? So there's no fundamental problem with a covenant being gracious or works-driven, you know, at at, um, at the exegetical level. Um, so let's say they, they go, ah, oh, you know, no, we see that, yeah, the old covenant sort of properly um, is, is shown in the Mosaic administration, and yeah, we, we're not going to connect Abraham to that and whatever, but everything else stays the same. Really, you haven't unhinged the system. It's it's kind of the sine qua non is still in place, the, the raison d'etre is still there. Uh, <laughs> the thing without it. which when, it cannot be. French Latin. <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> is still in place. So so the point being uh, that really the what is essential to the system is that they're just they're just simply not wanting to give any possibility in any administration language uh, of the covenant of grace uh, to, to anything other than just seeing the gospel being revealed and believing. Okay, so what's the difference between, um, you know, their understanding of being unified with Christ in the Old Testament by faith, and the Westminster, uh, you know, yeah, basically how Old Testament believers were saved? What's the difference? Yeah, so, and that's really what it comes down to at, at the end of the day, the administration thing. So, and you know, it, like I, I lean on sixteen eighty nine federalism too at this point. So I think I think we're there, you know. Uh, sure, we're a little bit, I think it's fair to say, Kleinianly informed 
1689 federal guys, you know. But, in the uh, sense that we're basically 1689 federalism with some republication thrown in. Well, they believe in republication as well, you know, they, without a doubt. It's just we want a Kleinian spin on the, that republication in that we want to say it's not, it's not that the whole Old Testament uh, or Abraham and Moses get, uh, get republished as a, a covenant of works, but just Moses. You know, that's that's really all right. the, the nuance we're bringing there, and it's it's again okay. it's it's within yeah. the same realm of theology. That's the point. You know, we're we're uh, we're not saying that's anything a, fundamentally yeah. different. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. So uh, yeah, but but coming back to your question there, in terms of the uh, old covenant administration thing, uh, or at least sorry, the um, um, the how Old Testament believers are saved. Again, everyone's in mm-hmm. totally uh, in total agreement. The difference is that they give. And Brandon obviously really wanted to make a thing out of this. And I get it. I get what he's saying um, because this is the basis for a lot of Presbyterian arguing around including infants in the covenant and that sort of thing. In that he's saying the you know the word administration can be used in two different ways. Um, and uh, it gets it starts equivocating in the theology, which is the problem. So they want well, to. Because Stone Presbyterians use administration to talk about the external covenant. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. And um, and so, like you know, we when we're saying the the covenant of grace was administered in the Old Testament, what we mean simply is that you know that through the types and shadows that the, the gospel was revealed, they believed, and uh, and. You know, essentially, they were saved. The, the, the grace was administered through those types and shadows. And there's a tiny little debate there as to, like, you know, what is the actual role of the type? You know, was that an administration? Was that the syringe, so to speak, through which grace came, or is it just, you know, irrelevant? And that's almost like such a small debate. I'm not even willing to to banter around on that. Um, but but the bigger thing is that, and this is the bigger issue that he's raising, um, that you, you can then start speaking of an administration of the covenant of grace, which uh, it actually is what we would more have in mind as ecclesiology and the you know the uh, the way uh, the gospel was then administered among the people. So um, yeah, the external stuff essentially. Um, so you've got you know the covenant sign um, administered in a certain way with a certain mode in view, with certain subjects in view, and when you bring all of that into the, the this you know if you mean that by the word administration um that of course carries i mean then then if you say the covenant of grace was administered uh in, in the abrahamic covenant and it's the same covenant in the new covenant and it must be administered the same way i mean that's that's that we're saying completely different things so the the, the baptists have wanted to get away from that confusing language um and it's admittedly confusing, but I think you know. Again, like I just wouldn't want to overreact there and and um, and and create almost a disingenuous uh, category uh, by by speaking of the covenant of grace if it doesn't mean anything at all. Um, and so you know th- that that's basically where it's at right now. Um, and as I think Brandon put it so well, like both of us have to explain what we mean. Everyone has to always explain what they mean by administration. That's just the reality of it. Uh, so no one really gets away from that. It's more just a matter of like, what's the quickest, easiest way to do it for you, you know? And uh, what do you think? But 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 when, once you acknowledge that point, I think it's helpful to see what what we're all looking at by way of, well, excuse the pun, but substance, you know? Well, what is mm-hmm. the substance of the theology? And I, I think I'm just 100% on the 1689 federal page um, 
rather than the Westminster page there, in that exactly what you just said, there is the, you know, the, the, the covenant of grace, which is ultimately the thing that they are saying is fully expressed in the new covenant, is that which only ever will apply to the truly elect, you know? Um, yeah. And that's that's yeah. that. the removing of the external covenant thing. It just makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that it it just it it has no. There is no kind of biblical base for, basis for it. Yeah, it's just a complete construction. Yeah, um, that caused a whole bunch of problems. Yeah. Now, now I'm going to throw a further spanner into the works. Um, okay. Because, uh, you know, here's where here's my wiggle room though, and you know I don't see this as a big thing. And like I say, if you had to push me hard and find where where is the substantial agreement, uh, you know, it's it's what we've just said. But um, bringing the best of Kleinianism in and bringing the best of of I think the Westminster tradition, I think the, the exegetical theological separation is important. The thing that we've talked about before, so, which leads you to be able to say that the covenant of grace was in the Old Testament typologically administered. Okay, now what that means is that there is a that that did make use of the typology as well, and and even just the idea of there being a seed, and a group of people, you know, a, a family, um, all of those things extend to the administration of the covenant of grace in the Old Testament. But the point is that there is discontinuity with with the new covenant in terms of that administration. So it's not administered in the same way. And that's, you know, and I feel like people have fought so hard and made such a good case to show that to be true. Paul King Jewett, Fred Malone, you know, Sam Waldron, just whoever, you know, any any Reformed Baptist 20th century guy has labored under that sort of uh, tent, really, and and uh, have done, I just, I just think, incredible work. You know, I just have made a, a case that shows that, that imbibes the very best of the Westminster kind of administration, okay, but but makes a case showing that you know under the under the hermeneutical constraints that the Westminster itself gives, um, the 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 fullest expression of the covenant of grace is the new covenant, and that covenant gets to determine the administration of of its um, its its own covenant. You know, it, it it gets to it gets to show us how it, it's not that we just assume direct administrative continuity there. Um, and so uh, that means that it's not like you have to throw the Westminster thing away entirely because there's still a whole big debate to be had uh, over continuity and discontinuity because basically what we're saying, what we could be saying as well, is that the the external side falls away at the new covenant. So you had an internal and external like mm-hmm. it was probably it's everything the Presbyterians are saying about New Covenant stuff now about their kids was yeah. true in yeah. the Old Testament, except that right. there is discontinuity in that the scaffolding falls away. Now, that idea sits very, very well with me. You know, um, it's just the, the Hebrews thing. It's just the types and shadows go. And, and, you know, I just like that because it's able to imbibe the very best of every tradition. So basically what you're saying is that in Moses, uh-huh. in the Mosaic Covenant, uh-huh. you're saying that that should be a part of the Covenant of Grace. Yeah, and that's what Klein... It's typologically yeah. administered in yeah. the typology of the old, of the Mosaic Covenant with the temple, the sacrifices, yeah. The, yeah. all that yeah. kind of stuff is administering the Covenant of Grace in the Old Testament. Yeah, and you know... And, and, and the therefore reason- kind of legitimately belongs in the 
covenant of grace. Yeah, yeah. Because um, and, and and obviously I'm saying that in a Kleinian sense, like not in a in a full-on Westminster sense. Like I'm saying it, it is a republic, a uh, republished covenant of works, but it is a subcomponent of the ad- greater administration of grace. So it's it's in the very in the very same way that we would speak of the law in the Christian life today. You know, it's it's not grace, it's law. But mm-hmm. is the law given for a gracious purpose um, at some level? Yes, it is, to lead us to Christ and then to mm-hmm. show us how to live. You know, um, it's, you know, what is that? It's a subcomponent of the greater uh, gracious understanding. And that's all Klein wanted to do. He just wanted to say there, there might be a via media, there might be a way to, to speak of republication um, as well as seeing it as just one overarching unity. And like, look, you know, all those things are, you can't hold them so tightly as the, as if they're dogmatic, unfreaking deniable points, you know? Um, no. They're just ways to try and work out the, the smaller details. And I think, I think for me, more the more I get into it, the more I see that, um, yeah, you get, you get lost in space if you stop seeing that bigger picture. You miss the forest for the trees, essentially, you know? Everyone's yeah. seeing the same thing. <laughs> they really are at some no, level. A, yeah. And and we're just trying to explain just, it in correct ways. Yeah, go for it. No, exactly. I guess it is just trying to preserve the um so yeah. the, my trouble my trouble with the outcome of Westminster Covenant theology is it ends up describing the Christian life yeah. as if you were still under the law. And that's right? a, that's a discontinuity issue rather than a republication it's, issue, you know, for me. Uh, uh, yeah, but they they're related though, surely. Like because and the the whole reason there's discontinuity is because Moses is a different covenant to Abraham. Yeah, but you know what? Like, I mean, I would say what you just said there is true at the theocracy, the, theonomist level, right? Those guys are truly, they, when, at the monocovenantal level, when people start messing around with grace before the fall, I, I think what you're saying is 100% true in that that actually becomes a distinction. With, that's a federal vision deal. That's, a, the, you know, you move into a real a real problem there. But if you keep, like, if you, what I've just found is reading anyone, take anyone you want. And this brings a degree of sanity back to Reformed theology, by the way. So I really like this point uh, because you go from thinking, oh my goodness, we're on the, the bad team, you know? <laughs> like, I don't know if I want to be Reformed. But when you get this point, you're like, it all comes back into focus. You're like, okay, breathe. Everyone can relax, right? Um, because as, as long as they're admitting no grace before the fall, yeah, and mm-hmm. they're seeing a, a fundamental law grace distinction in the covenant works and then post-fall stuff. Let's take, I mean, who's the most zealous guy on this that you can think of? I mean, Palmer Robertson would be the, the you know, the dude that I cut my teeth on with with covenant theology back in the day. Uh, he definitely holds this view. But basically, basically, the idea would be you get to the Mosaic administration and there's oh, John Frame. John Frame's a good guy. Okay, he like okay. hates Meredith yeah. Klein and you know all that. Okay, so there he is, and he's coming to the Mosaic Covenant, and he's going, look, they were just redeemed out of Egypt, you know. Now God graciously gives them the covenant of law, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now live in the way that God has shown you. Now what they're failing to understand there, what they're going to not grasp, and what's going to end up getting messy, is the 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 typology of the land, and and they're going to start relaying that into the Christian life if they're not careful, um, but. But essentially, they're saying, hey, as a result of your being saved, follow the Lord who gives you law. It's not, it's not the thing that drives the covenant. You're not saved by it. You know? You're saved by mm-hmm. grace alone. 
but God wants you to obey his law, which, you know, everyone should be able to agree with. Um, and, you know, his precise law and his law that covers every part of life. And, you know, just obey it as and be driven by grace. Like, remember your days coming out of Egypt. Now, we would explain that, go back to the Abrahamic covenant, see the gospel, be driven by the Abrahamic covenant, understand the didactic and the normative use of the law, not just the normative, you know. So we're mm-hmm. almost saying the same thing there. But it's it's like essentially there's no problem. The real problem, and here's, here's kind of the mind-blowing thing for me, and this is where it comes down to the issue of, again, like infant baptism is more of the issue than any subservience deal or mosaic republication. Because you get to the new covenant, and um, and there it's you've got to see the scaffolding fall away. No matter what you've understood until that point, if Hebrews isn't kicking in loud and clear, if you're not seeing all the all the shadows and types go and only the substance remain and true Israel and the remnants and all of that, then essentially you're going to start saying the people live long in the land somehow, some way. Yeah. You know, yeah. and as soon as you start doing that, you start bringing the blessings that are temporal for Israel into the Christian life. And then it starts getting weird. You know, then it's like your family is like a family living in the land that has its covenant sign that basically, you know, if you do well, you you know, you're going to live long. And if you don't, and then it becomes a Christian nation thing. And, you know, it's just this weird trans, uh, transformationalist uh impulse running through that whole thing because it's obviously that they're living in the old testament they haven't seen discontinuity but if you as a reformed baptist for example come along in and just chop that and you don't have to be reformed baptist to do this i don't think but if you chop that continuity off and you go scaffolding has fallen away then i mean just think about the substantial theology in reformed thinking up until that point it's not really going to affect you at that point it's it's you know amen the law is there grace is there you might have some Sabbath issues, but that's about it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I guess the the problem the problem with the just leaving it as a, a continuity or discontinuity issue for me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is that it it it's um it's an intangible. So like, um, you know, when you when you're talking to a Peter Baptist uh, about it or a Westminster guy about it, and you start getting into, oh, it's all got to do with continuity and incontinuity. It's just kind of like, I see more continuity here, you right, see less continuity of, there. Yes, yes, and yes. There's, no, there's no kind of objective way to measure. Yeah. Like, well, dude, now, almost, now you're speaking like a federalist. Like, like that's what? that's exactly how Sam Renian talks. He's just like, well, I need something more specific here. <laughs> you know, well, and I get it. I, I get mean, it. I think yeah. there, there's truth to that because yeah. like, um, it just seems like a preference thing sometimes totally, when you're totally. talking to people, you know, or like a like a hunch thing. Mm-hmm. And I just think, well, no, there's something very specific that I'm going for here, yeah. which is the distinction between, you know, so like, the, again, so that's my issue with Westminster, that you end mm-hmm. up talking about blessings and curses for mm-hmm. the Christian, right, mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. But then my issue with the 1689 federalism mm-hmm. is um, that it kind of fails to pick up the major point, which for me, when the New Testament talks about the old covenant, it's talking about Moses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's what the old covenant is in the New Testament. It's not talking about Abraham. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not talking about David. It's not talking about. Um, yeah. Uh, Noah. It's talking about Moses. Moses is the old covenant, mm-hmm. and so like there's something there's something very necessary to me to see the flow of um of uh, kind of the whole 
biblical theological narrative in covenant theology, you 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 have to see that have to see that that distinction between Moses. So if you're doing what what's the 1689 is doing, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're doing what Westminster is doing mm-hmm. and treating the covenant with Moses as like just a normal description of the Christian life, mm-hmm. like that that you know I think that's that's right. It's going to create massive problems. And if you're doing it like the 1689 doing, is just lumping it together with Abraham as an old covenant thing, then you're missing out on how I actually know the gospel's been alive since Genesis 13. Like that yeah, is the gospel. Totally. No, uh, Gen- yeah. Genesis 3, sorry. Um, you know, Genesis 3.15 is the gospel. Yeah. You know, well, uh, um, uh, Genesis 12 is the gospel. Genesis 15 is the gospel. Like, yeah. That's so true. Yeah. I mean, like, and... You, I didn't think like I think you'd never get to that if you were a Kleinian as a Presbyterian, right? As a Reformed guy, you'd never start confusing those things. You'd, you'd end up with a very well balanced view of the Christian life, I think, um, <clears throat> despite some, uh, in my opinion, inconsistencies. The interesting thing is that they would face, a, like as Presbyterians, you know, let's say you dive in, you're like, I want to be a Presbyterian Kleinian, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. They, they are just as homeless. You know, they've just they've yeah, just been kicked yeah, yeah. out of their own totally. tradition, essentially. I mean, just look at Escondido, of Westminster. I mean, you just basically they're they're being shunted, you know, as as Lutherans, essentially. Um, so, which all redu- re- reduces for me reduces it all to absurdity, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. In that, really, there is, and you know what? I actually, thankfully, had this experience like uh, just early on. Um, in that you just read through church history, you know, so let's say you want a a solid historical identity. I mean, is that just, are you really content to only, to have that only begin at the Reformation? Or surely you would want that to connect to the apostles somehow, or Jesus himself, you know? Uh, Well, good luck. You know, that's all I'm saying, because chances are that uh, you read through church history and you can get the fright of your life. You know, as to like yeah. <laughs> what was believed, you know what I mean? And uh, you've got two choices at that point. You've, you've either got to go, all right, I am, I'm the only Christian <laughs> that ever lived. <laughs> I'm the only person that has the correct view of anything, you know, or, um, or you got to go, hey, this tent is a little bit bigger than I would feel it to be, you know. And, um, and actually, you know, there have been uncomfortable differences in true Christianity all the way through. Um, even on those sacred cows, you know? And so I think the thing for, for, as you apply all of that into this current debate, it just, for me, what it does is if I zoom out and see that and then zoom right in, I'm like, oh my goodness, we're already such a small drop in the ocean in terms of, you know, having defined as a reform, let's just put all of the reform stuff in one tent, you know? We have already defined so much. We have so much definition that we're essentially in agreement on. I mean, goodness, you know? Um, if you're in such minute disagreement on such a small little thing, it shouldn't even it shouldn't even cause anyone to blink that we're still exactly on the same team. You know what I mean? Um, and I think I, I more I, maybe this is me. I'm getting I'm turning forty soon, bro. So maybe this is me going liberal. I believe it happened. <laughs> you are nearly forty as well. I know. It's very close now. So I feel like I'm I'm getting soft. Yeah, my, my, my heart of love is broadening, you, just, you know? You just want to hug everyone. I just do. Just I want like to hug people. When I hug people, I'm like, I don't want to fight anymore. I want to be friends. 
I just, just I, get along. I, I even I did I will I will go and embrace a Lutheran. I will do it. No. Yeah. I'll do it. And and an Anglican. <laughs> and uh you know, I'll a Presbyterian. I'll do it. I'll I'll hug them all, you know? And, and the reality is, you know, I just I think that like guys like Scott Clark freak me out a little bit because you know, I mean, dude, uh, you know, sometimes I see it in the Reformed Baptist thing as well, but it's just very off-putting to me. Like, I just, I just think it's ridiculous that, that they will anathematize people that are like joined to them at the hip, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. I just don't want to be anything close to that. And I think that that, no, that is a good expression of the, the 1689. I mean, think about the 1689 plagiarism event, right? Like the only reason they plagiarized the Westminster to begin with is because they wanted to express a broader unity, you know, use yeah. the same yeah. language as the other guys. Um, and so not be thought of as some different stream. And so, you know, that heart there is just important. And sometimes I think it gets lost, you know, just in everyone yeah. trying to refine their own thing, you know. Um, yeah, totally. And whoever that whoever's doing that, that's where the, they need to have that blame fall on them, you know. And if it's if it's the Reformed Baptists that are telling, like I've just read, uh, you know, in, in, on Tuesday, uh, on on the the Two Kingdom Tuesday thing, I was reading from John Frame, blasting the Kleinians for kicking him out of, um, you know, Westminster Seminary because he wasn't Kleinian, pretty much, okay. And he's all right, like okay. hurt and disgruntled about it and stuff. And look, I don't know if that was true. Shame on them, you know, because that's ridiculous. Yeah. To kick out a Kuyperian, yeah. you know, from from the Reformed tradition is just, I mean, who would even, if that's true, that's just ridiculous. You know, how, what could be more mainstream Reformed than Kuyperianism, you know? And um, and so, I mean, honestly, wherever that goes, Kleinians and Kuyperians always need a hug. They always need a hug, you know, <laughs> even if they, it's just, we have to reflect that. Otherwise we are just talking absolute nonsense. You know, uh, I don't want to be mm. part of any of the stuff that's like where, where Kyperians and Kleinians are gobbling each other up, uh, like it, debate all they want, but they got to be able to hug and, you know, fist bump at the end. I mean, obviously, you know, we're talking of the same language. We're in the same team. And then, and then, uh, you know, like, fine, go, go crazy on the atheists, go crazy on the, on the, um, you know, the Roman Catholics. You know, uh, where did all that Roman Catholic angst go, people? You know, we need to get that back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, maybe that's the problem, bro. We haven't got the common enemy anymore. Totally. I hear you. It's just a soft generation, man. That's what <laughs> we need a war. <laughs> we need a war so we can hug. <laughs> I tell you, there's something about a war. It just brings <laughs> brings everyone in the same trench. And, yeah, anyway, um, I don't even know where I was going with that. But oh, what I was going to say is like, yeah, I don't want to be part of And what I found is that the reform guys the truly reformed, you know, guys are often the guys kicking Baptists out. And so, again. you know, again, like shame on them. You know, that's just all I have to say about that. It's just not true. You know, we are part of the same stream. But then I don't want to take, it's kind of like, you know, you remember when, um, you know, it's like you read church history the first time and you see the Roman Catholics persecuting the Protestants and like they're killing them. And then, and then it's like, you're thinking, what? How could that even happen? They're obviously Antichrist, yeah. right? And yeah, then... Totally. Like a generation later, yeah. we're freaking killing each other, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and you're like, oh boy, <laughs> what do you? So now this, I feel like that happens sometimes with, 
like we are as Baptists, Reformed Baptists, getting getting kicked out of everything, right? And uh, and and we can see the the senselessness in that. And then we do it to each other, which is just I don't know, don't like that at all. We're like abused kids bullying <laughs> other kids on the playground. Exactly. We should not. Oh, that's it's the cycle of violence. It is. Someone's <laughs> going to break the cycle. Someone's going to break. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, well, there we go. Uh, peace out, everyone. Love one another. Stay cool. And uh, we'll talk again. Thanks, bro. Mm-hmm.